our industry is such a bad rap in a lot of places. I mean, a lot for website really? development. Yeah, you get SEO, it's just it's horrible. It's <laughs> awful. So we want to make sure we're above reproach on all that and hire the best people, with the best character to do it. And things like SEM, I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it can be taught. It's not a skill you're born with or not. I mean, you can take do the work and you know go through the stuff and learn it. And if it's the right person, then that's awesome. So that's absolutely where we start there. And we have a, a huge network of people in Atlanta. I mean, we're heavily involved with WordCamp. We run meetups. You know, the Atlanta meetup scene is ridiculous. There's like 13 WordPress meetups every month or something around town. So we know tons of people. So we say, hey, we need someone that does this. We either know who that is or we have 10 people we can ask. And they say, oh, you need to talk to Steve or Becky or, you know, whoever it is and get it done. G'day, folks. Troy Dean here and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. My feature guest this week is Mickey Mellon from Green Mellon Media in Atlanta in the US of A. He is one of the organisers of the Atlanta WordCamp. He's also an organiser of a meetup in Atlanta. There's a fantastic tech scene and a particularly good WordPress scene in Atlanta. We have a disproportionate number of members in WP Elevation and Mavericks Club from Atlanta in the States. I don't know what's going on there, but anyway, Mickey and I uh, met very briefly when I was out there keynoting uh, Atlanta WordCamp a couple of years ago. So it was a pleasure to have him on the show. We talk about growing a business. He's been doing this for 14 years, building websites for clients. So he's a veteran uh, in this industry. We talk about growing a business, why he made the move to go all in on WordPress. We talk about partnering up uh, with a business partner scaling a business, employing staff, sales, marketing, defining your niche, project management, documentation, procedures, and also Gutenberg. It's a fabulous episode. Uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Without further ado, let's go and meet Mickey Mellon. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Just before we get into this episode of the podcast, I have a quick favour to ask. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can get us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash Stitcher. And please, if you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us come up in the search results and get the show in front of a wider audience. And we love your feedback and we read all of the reviews. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show. G'day folks, Troy Dean here and welcome to another live streaming episode of the WP Elevation podcast. I'm super excited that we have the technology and we've almost figured out how it works. So here we are live streaming another recording of the WP Elevation podcast. And I'm very excited and very thrilled to have with me uh, all the way from the east coast of the United States, Mickey Mellon from Green Mellon Media. Hey, Mickey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for staying up so late on a Sunday evening to be a part of the show. <laughs> it's a good time. The kids just went to bed. The house should be quiet. Like It works out pretty well. So, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Now, for those that don't know, just give us a little bit of background. Who is Mickey Mellon, and what are you doing here, my friend? So I've been doing WordPress stuff uh, pretty much since the beginning, uh, about 14 years or so. I have a small agency here in Atlanta. There's six of us. Uh, we helped put on WordCamp Atlanta that you spoke at a couple of years ago. You did an excellent keynote for us. But, yeah, we're a fairly typical, I guess you'd say, WordPress kind of shop, you know, WordPress sites with a lot of marketing pieces around that as needed for people. Awesome. And so you've been around since, what, version point. 1.2, I think, 1. yeah. 2, my God. But just kind of playing with it for a while. Well, didn't take it serious right away. It was, all right, this is cute. So are these other five things. And yeah, you know, it yeah. took a while to realize, like, this is the one, you know. What were the other five things that were in, that were in the running? 
Well, I was still looking at Cafe Log, like, okay, this new one's good, but the original's good. And then there was certainly movable type. I had a few movable type sites. And then I even sort of had a quasi homemade blog. I did a lot of uh, message boards back in the day. So I had message board software and I had set permissions on one of the one of the folders that only I could post in anything I posted there went on the front of the site. People could comment. It almost kind of worked like a blog, but it was way more of a headache than WordPress. And I quickly <laughs> realized the error of my ways. So, yeah. Were you, uh, was there some kind of um, feeling like I could use WordPress, but I'm probably cheating. So I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, a little bit. I remember early on in our agency, about 10 years ago, we said, hey, we can build you a great custom site or we can do a little WordPress site, you know, whichever you need more. And it, of course, flip pretty quickly that we'll just do you an awesome site with WordPress and it doesn't matter whether it's a template or custom, you know, we can do either way, do an awesome job with that. But yeah, it was kind of the side little, I'm not sure this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's skirting around it a little bit, yeah. but not really. And and my if my memory serves me correctly, was it movable type that started charging for the service, yep. yeah, right. And so that was, that was a big killer. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Then was this mass exodus away from movable type on, over to WordPress. I think that was one of the reasons I started using WordPress. And apart from the fact that I just couldn't get Joomla or Mambo to work as they were <laughs> known back then, um, or Drupal, I couldn't get that to work either. So WordPress was the one I kept coming back to because it actually, you know, did most of what it said it was going to do on the tin. So exactly. that was a, a big plus. Um, what were you doing before you started building websites for clients? How did you get into this business in the first place? Sort of by accident, like most of us. Um, <laughs> I worked at a big church here in Atlanta, like a 10,000 member church. We had like you know, 100 plus staff members. So we had a communications Whoa. team of five. Um, and one of the girls on our communications team was Allie, who was a, at the time, an intern from college helping out with the graphic design stuff. And so we worked together there a little bit. She left to start her own graphic design company. I left to start my own little blogging web WordPress shop. But I can't design, she can't develop, so we needed each other's help. And all right, so it was just the two of us for a while, and then we needed more help, so we hired a few folks, and we needed a place to put everyone, so we got an office, and you know, kind of stumbled our way into it. And now we're, you know, last couple of years, you know, have taken a more strategic approach, trying to figure out how to actually build a business versus just, you know, keep running the hamster wheel all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I definitely want to come back and talk more about that. Um, how did you go about getting your first handful of clients? Obviously, through the church, you, you probably had a, a network that you could tap into. Um, how did you go about sort of putting yourself in front of people and saying, hey, we can do this, you know, we can solve this problem, pay us some money and we'll show you what we're made of? Yeah, it kind of came too easily, I guess, at the beginning. It just sort of fell into it. We'd work for a few folks and they'd refer us to others. And, you know, that's where Allie and I got together. She was doing some design work for people. I was doing some web stuff and blogging and, you know, it just kind of led led to more work. Um, I sort of had a lucky break to leave the church. I uh, didn't leave the church, but, you know, um, left the job there. Where a lot of people say, when do you, you know, you work in the evenings with your day job trying to build your business? How do you know when to make that jump and not an opportunity to take on a blogging role full time for a while mm -hmm. that would pay basically what the church did? But, you know, running a couple posts a day does not take eight hours. Mm -hmm. So that sort of freed up my time and let me jump, you know, off that full time role into more of a freelance, you know, small agency role and, and worked out well for me. But, yeah, the, the first few clients just kind of came magically. And then as Allie and I were looking at the numbers, you know, I was paying her $500 I owed her for this. She paid me 200 on this. We said, all right, just lay it out. What'd you make last year? And we looked, we made the exact same amount. So we said, cool, let's just put it in a pot, cut it down the middle and see what happens. Wow. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about hiring people. Like why didn't you and Allie, because hiring people is a pain in the neck at the <laughs> best of times, right? And then getting them oh, to yeah. Getting them to, you know, getting everyone to play the same game and stay on the same team and work towards the same goal is just like a constant, uh, constant thing of realigning people. Uh, why didn't you just go, you know what, we're just going to stay the two of us and we're just going to stay small and not have any of the headaches? We did for a while, but eventually you realize, you know, you sort of want some of the freedom. The headache, headache lends itself to some freedoms because we were just tied to it. You know, it was hard to take vacations or anything because there was 
nothing there. Someone had to be doing the updates and answering clients and all that. So, and we've taken it real, real slow with hiring. You know, we've been five years, we've been hiring. We're up to a total of six of us now. You know, so it's been a little less than one person a year. So we take it real slow to the extent possible. Like our developer was the perfect situation where we were able to pull her in for a project here and then a project there and then a few more projects and eventually realized, wow, she is perfect and then hired her. And that's that's the dream with all of them, but that's not always feasible. So some have been others we've just hired. Some we did a temp to hire kind of thing. A few are contractors that are sort of employees, you know, sort of that legal gray area there. But mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit of everything. But ideally, we like to work with folks as contractors for a while mm-hmm. and just build up a bigger and bigger book of business between us until like we're essentially paying them as an employee and say, hey, well, why don't we just pay you as an employee? And yeah. you know, it works out well. 100%. And in theory, that works out really well. Uh, <laughs> the, the problem I think a lot of people come up against is how do you then convince that awesome contractor to come and work for you full time and give up their dream of doing their own thing? Like what, what is the carrot for them to come and work for you full time? Cause I know that's a real problem, especially a lot of our members have freelancers that they're just like, Oh man, I just wish I could hire you full time. And the contractor's are like, no way, man, I want the flexibility. I want the freedom to do my own thing. Yeah. So we have one of each, one of our employees is a contractor and says she will always be a contractor. She wants that freedom. She has the drive to own her own business and to do her own thing. And we're a huge client of hers. I mean, essentially full time. She Mm -hmm. just works a billion hours to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And that's just how it is with her. We'd love to hire her, but she doesn't want to. And that's okay. Whereas our developer, Ashley, I mentioned, doesn't want the headaches of running her own business and wondering how much she's going to make this month versus next month. And Mm -hmm. You know, with this role, you know, when you take on this kind of job, you don't take on a web development job. You're a salesperson and business owner. And oh, by the way, you do some web design. And she has no desire. She wants to sit there and just knock out development. And she's awesome at it. And she wants a steady paycheck. And it's beautiful. Whereas, you know, others want the the freedom and power to do their own thing and to also take those months where they make next to nothing. And it's part of the game. So I don't know. You can convince them, really. It's about finding the right person and and for the right fit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, so when you what, what's your criteria for uh, for looking to hire someone? What, what's the first the first thing that you start thinking about when you're looking at hiring a new team member? Well, we're kind of flipping that around again. The last few years that we've been becoming more strategic. For a while, it was what is that? Let's just offload that into someone else to help them relieve that burden, and that works to an extent. But then you just end up with a whole bunch of really busy people. <laughs> and so we're trying to take a step back now and and think about what the team should look like. Okay, if if Ali's running projects and I'm doing sales and, you know, what does it look like and what holes can we fill with talent to actually make it work? So we're kind of taking that approach to it now and and trying to figure out what other services we need. You know, for example, we've never really done much SEM in-house. You know, we do SEO, but just paid ads is kind of a different animal. So we have a contractor we're using there of table stakes to some degree. So we have, we have a contractor that does that and he is awesome at it. Um, so that's kind of a role that we fill now, and whether it becomes a full-time role or not, you know, I don't know if he would ever want that, but it's not that big yet. But yeah. that's a role at least we filled based on looking from above versus we're just super busy here. Let's just get another body to help with that. Yeah. You know? And so once you've worked out the role that you need to fill, how do you then, uh, you know, I guess what I'm asking is there's there's two schools of thought, higher skill and coach character or higher character and teach skill? Where, where do you sit on the spectrum there? Very much higher character and coach skill. Yeah. I mean, a yes. lot of this stuff, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Because, yeah, I mean, our industry is such a bad rap in a lot of places. I mean, a lot for work, really? work website development. Yeah. You get SEO, which is it's horrible. It's awful. So we want to make sure we're above reproach on all that and hire the best people with the best character to do it. And things like SEM, I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it can be taught. It's yeah. not a 
skill you're born with or not. I mean, you can take do the work and you know go through the stuff and learn it. And if it's the right person, then that's awesome. So that's absolutely where we start there. And we have a, a huge network of people in Atlanta. I mean, we're heavily involved with WordCamp. We run meetups. You know, the Atlanta meetup scene is ridiculous. There's like 13 WordPress meetups every month or something around town. So we know tons of people. So we say, hey, we need someone that does this. We either know who that is or we have 10 people we can ask. And they say, oh, you need to talk to Steve or Becky yeah, yeah. or, you know, whoever it is and get it done. Yeah. So. Um, what is the deal with Atlanta, by the way? Because it is a huge, there is a huge WordPress scene that we have a disproportionate number of members in WP Elevation from Atlanta and from uh, Pennsylvania for some reason. Uh, gotcha. Can't figure out why, but what is going on in Atlanta? Why is the tech scene there so healthy, do you think? Yeah, the tech scene in Atlanta in general is hugely healthy. I mean, movies, it's becoming one of the top movie, you know, locations yeah. in the world, really. Um, not sure why WordPress specifically is so big here. I think I mean, I don't want to say I, I had a lot to do with it because there's already a lot of meetups established. But when I started going to a few meetups, I said, hey, these are awesome, but there's not enough of them. So I started my own. And I think a few other people have done that, too, saying these are great, but we need another one. And there's enough people around to support that. And it's been great. And yeah, WP Elevation certainly has a great, great reputation and some very loud voices in Atlanta that speak your praises. So it's a good thing. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Paying the invoices on time is working in our favor then. Uh, <laughs> um so why? So what, what's the what's the? I know a lot of people uh, listening to this will be thinking about going to their first meetup, or in fact thinking about starting a meetup. What are the main benefits of going to a meetup on a regular basis, or even becoming a co-organizer or a co-facilitator of a meetup? I think the main benefit is just getting to know other people. You know, we've hired much of our staff through that. I mean, our, our huge staff of six, but that's where we meet a lot of the people. A lot of the contractors is through that. And just education. We, we're big believers in education. We read a zillion blogs and follow podcasts such as yours and, and all those. And we learn something every time we go to a meetup, even if it's a topic we know like the back of our hand, even if I'm leading it, you know, I'm leading a session this Thursday. I'm going to I'm going to teach it. I promise I'm going to come away with some gems, though, when I ask a question and someone says, holy cow, I never thought of that that way or that yeah, tool yeah. or, you know, we always come away with something good. And if you go to handful of meetups a month for a few years, suddenly you've got you've got quite a treasure trove of knowledge and you become that much more knowledgeable. So Yeah, 100%. Uh, two, two things occurred to me. One of my mentors said to me once, if you think you know something, teach it, uh, because that will force you to actually really get to know it and become a master of it. And uh, the other uh, one I love from Eric Reese and the startup uh, th- methodology is uh, get out of the building, leave the building and go and talk <laughs> to people. It's amazing mm-hmm. what, what difference it makes. I think it's very easy for us to get stuck behind our computers on the internet, um, but it is very impactful when you get out of the building and start talking to people. Um, so, okay, you've, you've, you've defined the role, uh, you've put the feelers out amongst the network, you've got a couple of candidates, you hire the right candidate. How do you, what's the induction process then look like? How do you uh, inspire them and coach them through what the company looks like and and how, what the culture is and what we're all aiming for? And how how do you keep people aligned and playing the same game? In theory, that's already happened because we've gotten to know them over the past six months or years we work with them. But I mean, I think it's just really just doing right by the client. You know, we do things really even differently than other agencies, just making sure everything is in the client's best interest. Um, partly just because that's how it should be, but also, again, trying to erase that stigma of web development companies and SEO companies. And as long as they keep that in mind first, then then everything else falls into place. And again, we can teach the skills and walk through that stuff. You know, some of the stuff we're doing building our business, we need to have a proper hiring process, which we don't technically have. But the reason we don't is because we hire like a person a year. You know, we don't need a rigid yeah. process to work through every time, but we still are working to get that together. Like, okay, next time we hire someone, let's make sure we hit these six things to get them started. But again, it's worked out. We're a small enough team and hire infrequently enough. It's not been a big deal. Yeah. And all your team work out of the same office space or are they all remote? No, we're all, we're all in the same office space. 
We're not in the office every day, though. I right. tend to be in the office more than others. You know, I have a family at home, and so getting to the office <laughs> makes life better. <laughs> others don't, and so if they can get away from the rest of us, they can put their head down and work more at home. So yeah. we're in three or four days a week usually. It depends when clients come in and if we're going out to meetups and what's going on. But yeah, all in one office space. We're all about 15 minutes away from it. We're north of Atlanta, so avoiding most of the traffic and stuff, and it works well. So Awesome. And um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, your customers and what it is that you, the value that you provide them. How do you know if a customer is a bad fit? Like if a customer walks in the door and you start a conversation and you just know straight away that this is not going to be a good fit, what, what's the kind of the criteria for a great customer and someone who's not going to be right for you? Two different things, really. One is we love working with customers with a heart. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be nonprofits. We certainly work with our share of nonprofits if they have budgets to fit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of other companies that are just in the community, you can tell they're doing good, they do the right thing versus just kind of sitting back and trying to sell as many of you know X that they can do some of that if it works, but really it's finding the company with a heart. But it's also finding a company that has that person on the team that we can work with. You mm-hmm. know, When we work with small companies that have two owners, even if they have boatloads of cash, it's going to be impossible to track those two guys down mm-hmm. just to get answers on things. Whereas if they have you know, 10 staff and they have April, that's, you know, their, their marketing person, April's being tasked with building the site. We can work with her. She's going to worry about tracking down the owners and getting the answers. It just works so much better. So we look for companies that are, you know, 10 to 50 employees, perhaps that have one people on staff that are just buried and we can help make those marketing people shine and we all look good for it. Awesome. And so you don't have a particular industry or niche that you target? Not not directly, no. It's it's more that type of company, you know, that 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 build of company. I like this. For me, it's you know, there are there are niches or, or niches as you guys say. Uh, there are kind of verticals. So there are like demographic verticals, uh, which would be, you know, a particular industry, for example. And then there are what I call psychographic uh, niches, which is what you're talking about. It's a particular type right. of customer that has a particular type of problem that they need solving and they're a good fit for the type of value that you guys provide. Exactly. We do find ourselves in some of the same verticals over time just because if we work with one lawyer and we do a great job, he tells his buddies and stuff. But to be honest, it gets a little boring at times, you know, just mm-hmm. to, you know, we can do awesome in one vertical. So like, again, finding that right kind of company, that right fit, something that just works well together. Mm-hmm. We really thrive on that. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a curveball, and I got to say, everyone watching this on Facebook, Mickey, uh, there's no script in advance here. Mickey doesn't know what I'm about <laughs> to ask, but here's a curveball. Uh, what's your feeling on Gutenberg? I'm in favor of it. I like mm-hmm. it. I mean, it, it's got some issues. I think the accessibility concerns are valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, something I've been wanting to do for a while. We actually gave an accessibility, had a speaker come in, give an accessibility talk at our meetup last month, and so I certainly appreciate that stuff. And I read a blog post about a person that said, I only use their keyboard for a day with no mouse. And I'd like to do that at some point, partly just to get better keyboard shortcuts, but also mm-hmm. understand accessibility issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Gutenberg has that issue. But aside from that, I think a lot of it's being overblown. I don't see people are worried about websites blowing up and crashing. I'm like, it's not going to be that big a deal, I don't think. It's more users are going to blow up and crash because <laughs> they're not sure how to write posts anymore. But yeah. 5.0 on most most hosts isn't going to automatically go out. So we're going to, our plan, we have 150 clients or so that we manage. We're just going to take our time and invest, you know, we're going to say, okay, this client, what's going on? All right, let's put the classic editor on there, update it. They don't need to worry about Gutenberg for now, but for most of them, we'll teach them what's going on, roll it out. And I'm, I'm excited about where it could lead us in the future. So been using it for a while and a few of our sites already and and I'm happy with it for the most part. So I just, I was reading uh, yesterday or the day before, it's just been delayed. The release has now been delayed because there's a few bugs they're still trying to iron out. Yeah. So they pushed it back another week. So Mm. November 26th, maybe something like that. So yeah, 
confident. Interesting to see if it hits that or not. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, confident we're going to see it before Christmas. My business partner this morning <laughs> said he doesn't reckon it's going to happen until the New Year, so we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you talked about, uh, which was one of the questions I wanted to ask, you talk about you've got 150 clients that you manage. Um, two questions. I'm going to make an assumption that they're all, like how do you manage the deliverables and the, the expectations around that? Uh, and the second part of the question is, how do you physically manage maintaining 150 clients? Gotcha. So the maintaining, that was one of our first hires because that was me maintaining all those. And so we hired someone that does that. So she works 30 hours a week and just kind of lives in managed WP and wow. blog vault, just kind of yep. handling that. And then in help scout, we say, Hey clients, do you need any help with your site? Send it to support. And she gets it. And it's cool and help scout with the metrics and stuff. We can look and say, Hey, you know, we respond in 46 minutes when people have a question, you know, get back quick. Again, trying to help. When we're pitching to a new client, we can show that number because mm. they know their last web team was a month between responses. Yeah. Um, so she does that and it works pretty well. And then, of course, bigger issues come in and we deal with that as it goes. Um, what was the other part of the question? Uh, was- how, do you manage, how do you manage the client's expectations when you uh, – I'm making an assumption that you have care plans in place so that those clients right. um, are, are on some kind of – a financial commitment to make sure their websites are up to date. How do you manage that expectation at the start of a project? Well, hey, yeah, we can build a web project for you, but there's also going to be some kind of monthly retainer or some kind of commitment for us to keep the thing maintained. Yeah, and we usually talk about that right up front in some of our early discovery meetings or when we're presenting the options or whatever the case may be saying, hey, when it gets down to the end, and a lot of them even prompt us for that. They say, okay, this is great. I see how much it's going to cost to build. What happens afterward? And we'll say, hey, you've got A, B, or C, or you know, we do a lot of custom kind of plans beyond that where they say, I want... I want the updates and the reports and all that sort of stuff, but I also want help ongoing with my email templates and those sorts of things. So we'll say, all right, here's the base stuff. We'll talk about the details later. And really of the 150, I'd say 125 are just keep things running for me. You know, just handle the updates and backups and malware scans, that many that we have special cases for. But, and that gets a little tricky. We're figuring out how best to handle that to scale. But, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, don't have don't have a great answer for how we're going to scale the bigger ones, but it works pretty well with our system Help Scout and some of the other tools we have together. It, it does well because Help Scout again has good tools for tracking how long we spend, but also how many tickets someone submits. We can say, hey, client, you know your your plan allows for you to bug us eight times this month. You bugged us ten. Yeah. We're going to let it go this time, but just you know you went a little over. Or it allows for eight. You bugged us thirty two. So here's your extra bill based yeah. on you know what you signed early on. Yeah. So. And uh, do you do content? Uh, for clients or is we it? We do. Yeah, right. Okay. So if they're yeah, like, we have, hey, we have a copywriter on staff. Yeah. Great. Okay. So. so the clients, if they need some extra content added to the website because I've got a promotion coming up or something, then you guys can handle that as well. Right. And we encourage us to handle it. But of course, a lot of clients, it usually ends up in between where clients think they can write their own content until yeah. they sit down, especially for a website. <laughs> I can write 40 pages till yeah. they realize that's a book, yeah. you know, and then it sort of comes back to us. But it's nice to have her on staff just to just for our own stuff too. say, Hey, we need a new headline for our own articles. Not, you know, it's good to have someone there to just bounce that off of and get it done. Yeah. Um, so do you offer marketing services? Is that, is that, you know, you, you publicly promoting that you offer marketing services or are you a web design web dev shop and, and you can offer marketing if required? We we're, we're sort of shifting away from being, it used to be web and we can help with marketing as needed to now trying to be just that, that all in one, you know, with the, the web, and then we can do your email marketing and SEO and ongoing blogging and inbound with you know active campaign and SEM and mm-hmm. social and whatever pieces. And very few need all that stuff. We can say in your case, I don't think you need to worry about social as much as the email because you have you know an older generation on your list or you know whatever the case is. But yeah, trying to do all that stuff and really build up those those ongoing plans because again, 150 clients on maintenance plans is great, but they're all just you know tiny. It'd be nice to have some more bigger residual stuff and really help help these clients take it further too because we build them a great new site and it does well and we see their 
you know, giving that extra push to really get it going is a good thing for everybody. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you've got a lot of moving parts. And so I want to ask a little bit about managing uh, the procedures and the documentation in the business. And again, for those watching on Facebook, if you're seeing Mickey's reaction, <laughs> it's because he doesn't know what I'm about to ask. So just, just throwing you in the hot no, water here, my friend. Um, how do you manage your, your documentation and procedures if, if you know, one of your, if your copywriter, for example, got hit by a bus, how do you put someone, you know, touch wood, how do you put someone in that seat uh, and say, okay, here's how we do what we do. This is where we log into our clients' websites. How do you manage that procedural documentation stuff? We've got that in pretty good shape. Um, it was from a talk at WordCamp we went to like eight years ago. They talked about, you know, getting your process down on paper and said, we know our process, but we never had it down on paper. So mm. pretty much all of our pieces now, if we're building a website, here's the main 14 steps. We're doing email strategy. Here's the steps here. Uh, we have them just in Google Drive as documents, but we also, we use Teamwork uh, mm-hmm. Teamwork projects that a lot of people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. And so it has templates in there as well. So we're going to set up a new email marketing campaign. We drag that task template in and poof, here's the 14 things we need to do. And they're assigned to who needs to do them. And if someone were to get hit by a bus, we just reassign a few tasks and, you know, keep on going down. So teamwork has been great for that uh, to keep it going, but we have it a variety of places. So Awesome. Um, all right. A couple of questions just to, to get through our, our kind of our lightning round here. Um, if you could go back and have a conversation with Mickey Mellon eight years ago, what would you tell him? Start studying business more. Mm. You know, I went to went to college for computer science and sort of fell into web design and just started doing it, not knowing what I was doing. And so now I'm sort of backpedaling, taking reading more business books and taking some classes and doing that sort of stuff. And it helps that my business partner Allie, her husband, has an MBA and you know is in the corporate world, so we can bounce ideas off him. We've used some coaching and done some stuff, but. If I could really, if I could go back 20 years and go to college and throw in some more business classes, that would be good too. Because again, I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, you, you own a company, you're a business person yeah. person first and you know, the other work is secondary. So yeah, that's right. And being a business owner is very different to being a technician, isn't it? Oh yes. Very yeah. much so. I, I enjoy it, but I just, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a lot of stress. I want to be the best business owner I can because I have other people's lives on the line here that we yeah. get employees and stuff. So yeah, it's a lot totally. more stress. Totally. Um, nice segue a bit when you talk about business books, favorite business book that you've read recently, uh, EOS, oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, that traction, just that whole series yeah. of books. We've really been working through that stuff. And again, that's where it's saying, Hey, you need these hiring processes. And that's where we've done the accountability chart instead of the, you know, the normal chart people have of who's there. It's then who should be there and kind of thinking through that. So yeah. we've been doing a lot, a lot of work through there and that's been good. Yeah. Gino Wickman is the author of traction. Uh, we read that, uh, uh, I'll put a link to that uh, book in the show notes notes. One thing, if you, one thing that keeps you awake at night right, right now about the business, if, if, if you had a magic wand and you could fix one thing in the business right now, what would it be? I'm not sure it's fixable, um, <laughs> but it's just the, it's the, where's the next client coming from? Um, I'm always jealous of companies like Chick-fil-A that, oh, traffic's a little slow, just crank up the marketing budget and here comes more business. We don't have that wand to turn up. It's, I got to go hit the streets more. And again, things are going well. We're, we're getting more recurring revenue, which I think that may be the answer is to get more solid recurring revenue. But for years, we were living one website to the next, as it were, as a lot of people do. And we're starting to get our way out of that, but it's still there to some degree. And so that's that's always my concern is, okay, we've got these three great leads. Come on, you know, let's, let's land at least two of them. And, you know, that that's a constant ha- struggle. Do you have my, this is a, a topic very uh, close to my heart because a lot of, I know, because people have told me privately in the green room at WordCamps, for example, a lot of people think I'm just a, a slick salesperson. I'm actually not. I don't. I don't enjoy sales at all. I find sales a bit icky and kind of like it's a bit like speed dating. It's kind of just feels a bit <laughs> desperate to me. But what I've learned over the years is that if your marketing is good, 
you don't have to actually be very good at sales. Sales are quite easy if your marketing is good. And I've also learned that if you've got a sales process in place, then sales can actually be quite enjoyable because you end up just uh, offering to help people and they end up making a decision to buy from you. So my, my, this is the long way around of asking a question. Do you like, do you have like a sales process in place or is it just kind of organic meet with the client, work out their needs and see if they're a good fit? No, we have a pretty good process in place that we've put together again from going to word camps and stuff over the years. It's getting people into the process. That's still, we got to get a little more solid on a process there of how to get people in the, in the funnel at, at level, the level of websites we have. But the process really is pretty simple. We found that giving options is kind of the first step. Mm-hmm. First, we have a meeting, of course, and see what they need, but then give them options. Instead of saying, hey, you need a website and it's going to be $10,000, we can say, you need a website and you talk about email marketing. I think you need a logo and here's all that stuff you want for $20,000, mm-hmm. but maybe you don't need the logo and the email stuff we do later for fifteen. dollars or here's just, let's just kind of get you going for six, mm-hmm. you know, and that way they can kind of pair us to ourselves versus comparing us to the other four agencies you're talking to. And that seems to help quite a lot. People can see the advantages and disadvantages and um, yeah, it's done well. And then they pick the option or more often they say that option two is pretty close, but let's tweak this and tweak this. And, you know, we're happy to do that. And then we can write up a contract and do it. And that saves us some time too, because we're not having to build a huge contract and timeline to present and hope they take it. We're just doing super quick options. The way we were taught to do it is you should do all three options on one sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. We're not quite that good. That's That gets really brief on each one. So we basically have one page for each option. Option one is good, this, this, and this, and then, you know, yeah. one page for each. That's still pretty short, though, when you're talking about a web project with a logo and email marketing and some SEM and all summarized on a single page is, is pretty tight to, to fit. Yeah. But it works well. And we say, hey, once you choose one, don't worry. We'll have the details in the contract to make sure we're all clear and everything. But we've talked enough. You know what the details are. We'll write them down later. Here's what we're thinking. What do you think? And that seems to help quite a lot. And we yeah. use pipe drive to help manage people through that process uh, so we can see where they are. And oh, that was my next that question. <laughs> my next, okay, que- my next question is favorite favorite, question. favorite tool for managing sales. Pipe drive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, pipe drive, I like. We, we've used a lot. What I like about pipe drive is on each, each sale, I can say, this one, I think if we land Troy, it's going to be a $20,000 project, mm. but I think we only have like a 30% chance of landing him. Mm. And you can put that in and it weighs all that stuff out. So I can say, hey, it looks like we have, you know, $200,000 in the pipe pipeline. We'll probably land 70000 worth of business. So it can help us forecast a bit better, yeah, yeah. you know, if our percentages are accurate, which is such a guessing game. Yeah, of but, course it is. But at least, at, least, at least you've got your finger on the pulse and you've got some kind of estimate. You're not flying blind, you know. It's like it's a, it's a guiding compass. You're not completely in the dark. Um, one thing you said, which I absolutely love, and I think this is worth the price of admission alone, and that's not bad for a free podcast, is when you said that they're comparing us to ourselves rather than comparing us to the three or four other agencies that they're, they're shopping around with. And that I think is a fantastic insight right there. Yeah, that's been, that's been huge for us. That's made a big difference. And they still often will talk to other agencies, but they can say this agency's all have their single price, but Green Melon gives these few. We can really get it exactly what we want. We're not paying too much, or these guys are too little. It, mm. It's been it's been brilliant to do that. Mm. Yeah, we've, we've enjoyed that. What is uh, a couple of questions to finish up? What does what does Green Melon Media look like over the next twelve months? What's uh, what what are you most excited about? Twelve months are going to be going to be interesting. Trying to figure out really project management is kind of our big big one to do because Allie's still me and Allie are still in the in the weeds too much. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not we're not business owners. We're business owners slash mechanics, you know, still in there much. And so we're working hard to get ourselves out of the weeds and that's going to require another hire or two. And so again, thinking, seeing where our current team fits and where they maybe could adjust or keeping them still and finding the other people to fill in, that's going to be our big, big change there. But I mean, we're happy with our office space. We're not going to make any major changes, but she's kind of slowly working us out to, you know, Allie's kind of family and wants to be able to spend some time there. And I'm going to, you know, hopefully step out and do more business dev and get more people into the top of the funnel and 
work through there. So that awesome. accountability chart in EOS really has good processes to help us walk through to do that. And so we're, we're working through them. Fantastic. That's great. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and sitting up late on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, final question before I let you go, and this is a complete curveball. You weren't prepared for this one. Who would you <laughs> like me to interview on the podcast next? Oh, good question. Um, I think one of your bigger fans, April Weir. Do you know April? I, do, I know April very well. She is one of our okay. Mavericks Club members. And in fact, we just spent a, a week together in Thailand at one of our mastermind events. So I know April <laughs> very go. well. She always has the greatest tools and tips and ideas and just, yeah, I, I follow a lot of, a lot of what she has going on. I know her through our meetup. She comes to our meetup most every time and I go to some of hers and I've known her for years, but she just, yeah, yeah. for being essentially a one person shop, she's just a dynamo and yeah. always on the pulse of what's going on and new tools to try and ideas and well, that is, tactics that is and all a that. fantastic idea. April Weir, I'm going to drop an email in you in our Slack team and get you <laughs> on the podcast. So that's fantastic. Thank you very much for that, Mickey. Hey, Mickey Mellon, well, thanks for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. It's been uh, fabulous having you on the show. Tons of gold here and I uh, wish you all the best for the next 12 months and uh, please keep in touch and let me know how things roll out. Will do. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, folks, there you go. There's another episode of the WP Elevation podcast all wrapped up. Thanks for joining in. Uh, the usual call to action, subscribe at iTunes, uh, like us here on Facebook, Facebook and follow us over on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube to get notified of when we do this again. Uh, we've got another one coming up in about uh, an hour, I think. So uh, stick around for that. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Well, I hope you enjoyed getting to know Mickey Mellon from Green Mellon Media as much as I did. Please reach out to him and thank him for giving up some of his time to share his wisdom on the podcast. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, I have a sincere favour to ask. We would love it if you could leave us a rating and a review over at iTunes. Just go to wpelevation.com slash iTunes and that will get you there. Feel free to subscribe too so that you don't miss another episode. We've got some great episodes coming up. Also, like us on Facebook so that you get notified when we go live on Tuesday mornings for our live stream show, Silence is Golden, uh, with myself and my co-host, Simon Kelly. And get on over to YouTube, wpelevation.com slash YouTube, and uh, subscribe over there and click the bell to get notified when we release our how-to videos. We're teaching you over there all about running a WordPress consulting business and leveraging WordPress and the associated technology to scale your business. And of course, if you want to work with us to grow your WordPress consulting business, join the WP Elevation Blueprint program. You can find more about that at wpelevation.com. And if you're a six-figure WordPress consulting business and you want to scale up to multiple six and seven figures, then you should really consider joining Mavericks Club, our high-end mastermind. We meet in person three times a year at our three-day mastermind events, and we have a whole bunch of really cool stuff that happens throughout the year to help you scale your business. Just send an email to support at wpelevation.com with the word maverick in the subject line, and we'll take it from there. Well, I hope you're enjoying the content that we're putting out as much as we're enjoying making it for you. We look forward to your company again on the podcast or on one of our Facebook live shows or over on YouTube. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Go Elevate.